Welcome to Inside Today's Country, the show that gets the real stories from today's country stars, stories you haven't heard anywhere else. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been on the radio interviewing the biggest stars in the business and discovering new talent for more than 20 years, and now in his very own podcast. Are you ready? Let's go Inside Today's Country. On this edition of Inside Today's Country, we catch up with Rod Black. He's got a brand new single out called Walk On. Rod is an amazing storyteller. And he actually took his own advice to get into the music industry. And I'm sitting there going, this isn't me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling these homeless people, friends of mine that I'm meeting along, this, along the way to my office, you know, you can make a change, just believe in yourself and all the kind of things. And I'm thinking, I'm going to make a change. That and a whole lot more as we go inside today's country with Rod Black next. Sometimes you rise and then you fall. Sometimes you hit a corporate wall. Then you got to break on through. No problem, man. Now, we find you on uh, on the uh, west coast of Canada, uh, but we were just talking off the air before we started this. You're, uh, you, you grew up in uh, Saskatchewan, so the center of Canada. So you've, yes. been, uh, you've been able to experience both kinds of winters then, the west coast winter, which is wet, <laughs> and the center of Canada, which is freezing your arse off. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and which one do you prefer, Rod? Well, you know, I do miss my hockey days. Okay. Um, and going on the ice at 5.30 in the morning on the outdoor ice and then eventually got into the city league. And then, then you get the indoor and you get a nice warm uh, change room or a dressing room. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the West Coast has been really good to me, so I can't complain. But I have to admit, and this is funny, everybody says, I can't believe that you grew up in Saskatchewan and you get a little chill and you're like, I got, I'm cold <laughs> right away. Well, it's see, the it's, weirdest thing. It's, the it's, a, thing. it's a different cold on the West. It's a totally different cold. It, Unless people came out here, mm-hmm. they wouldn't understand it. It goes right. It goes right through. It's a damp cold. It's so strange. Yes. Yeah. You that. Yeah. You, you know, you're wearing your Gore-Tex there, right? And your and your uh, flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Well, let's find out a little bit about uh, who you are. Uh, let's talk about hockey. Let's talk about country. Tell me a little bit about who Rod Black is. Well, um, like I was saying earlier um, in, the, in the beginning, was, I grew up in a rodeo family. So how I ended up in Saskatchewan was I was born in BC. My dad was an outrider for chuck wagon racing. Uh, the whole family was into the whole, you know, barrel racing and all the nine yards. Uh, dad was breaking horses. And, and it came to a point where, um, let's just face it, my mom said, it's time to retire. <laughs> so, you know, my dad said, okay, gonna, you know, we're going to retire and we're going to buy a business in Saskatchewan. So I ended up uh, moving there and going to high school in uh, Regina and Saskatoon. Okay. Made a lot of friends there. And uh, yeah, really, really rooted in Saskatchewan for sure. Proud, mm-hmm. you know, being born in BC, but definitely a lot of roots in Saskatchewan and great people there. And what was the business your dad ended up doing in Saskatchewan? Well, he uh, he was a butcher. Okay. And so what he ended up doing is he ended up buying, I don't know, you've been to Regina, I would imagine. Yes. Okay, so you remember Luther College? I've heard of it, yes. Okay, so Luther, and actually it was a really funny story, but Luther, I went to Martin. And so, anyway, Luther College, right across the street on Dudney there, there was a grocery store slash convenience store. Mm-hmm. That's what my dad bought. And so that's what he had. So everybody was coming in and out of there. And then I found out later on that now a couple of my really good friends went to Luther College, and we were rivalries. 
going on here. But I didn't know that they were going to school at that time at that school. Isn't that weird? Isn't that wild? And they'd say, yeah, we used to go to this grocery store all the time. And we'd see this guy and he was so friendly and everything. And I said, that was my dad. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so they probably had bumped into me without even realizing it because I was around all the time helping out. And so you're, yeah. you're, a, you're a grocery store kid then? Well, you know, that flash, uh, everything else. <laughs> how did you How did you get into the country music world? Well, that is a very interesting story. So growing up in the family, I listened to the country music. So that was in our whole household all the time. Mm-hmm. So my dad always wanted, you know, my dad was a guitar player, mom sang, um, and my sister sang and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely in our family. And I just at an early age, I uh, did a Christmas play and, you know, I had a great time. I think I was six years old when I did that. And I came home and said, this is what I want to do. And then dad sat me down and uh, he said, well, do you want to learn how to play guitar? And I was like, no, don't need to play guitar. I just want to sing. And he's like, OK. So as I got older, he's like, well, what are you going to what are you going to sing? You know, my dad loved Elvis. And, you know, and the list goes on. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I love country music, but, you know, um, I'm going to give her a go and, uh, you know, rock and roll because I was getting a little older. And so basically I was always like wanted to amalgamate the two. That was just something I wanted to do at an early age. So that's kind of how I started. I, I started off, uh, you know, doing the rock and roll, listening to country music and saying, hey, you know, I don't have the twang in my voice, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've got it in my blood. So, you know, and that's where I'm at today. And what did you listen to when you were listening to rock? Oh, oh I got into ACDC. I have to admit, <laughs> my dad did not like that at all because of the, everybody thinks what ACDC means. It's not that. I'm pretty sure anybody that likes ACDC knows that the, the true story behind the name. But so coming from a religious family, you could imagine my dad was not too happy when I was walking around with a T-shirt ACDC on it. <laughs> wow. Right? You, were, you, yeah, weren't, you weren't the popular kid in the house. No, I wasn't. But with my friends, you know, I had friends of everything. I was in mm-hmm. uh, wrestling, volleyball and hockey and everything. So I had punk rocker friends. I had everybody come by the house. And my dad didn't all like that because he's a country boy. Right. So he's like, why isn't my son walking around with like, you know, you know, Johnny Cash and all that kind of stuff, you know? And, um, but you know, I, but I listened to it all. I just love music in general. Right. I, I think that the, it's a big scope of music, um, that's out there. And I think we need to all enjoy that. Your favorite ACDC song. <laughs> Back in black. Okay. You know, yeah. I, it sounds strange, but it's, uh, crank that up all the time. And just when I'm driving around in the, in the sun and just, uh, yeah. It just brings back memories. Do you still crank it up today then? Oh, yeah. And 74 Jailbreak. That one, I don't know what it is about that song. I think it's the video because when I was a kid, I'd see this video. Yeah. And I'm like, geez, man, this is kind of, you know, really kind of rough around the edges, you know. And, uh, but yeah. So, but really, is there a bad ACD song? No, I don't think so. No, I mean, <laughs> no, there isn't. you know, I mean, my daughter grew up with Thunderstruck, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. with speakers on the floor so she could dance around to it. I mean, still, yeah. there's there's nothing better than a little ACDC throughout the house. As you yeah. progressed from rock to country, who were you listening to? Okay, so that, well, Garth Brooks, I, I just loved Garth Brooks. I think for the first time when I heard the dance, Mm-hmm. I was I was automatically hooked. No, I was listening. I was listening to country radio. My friends were kind of making fun of me. My my rocker friends. Yeah. And like you know, where's your cowboy hat? Where's your boots? And I said, well, you know. And they're like, you're, you know, you know, why aren't you listening to? I said, well, I listen to everything. Yeah. And then I said, this guy. When I remember listening to the dance, I said, check this song, guys. And I said, this guy is going to be huge. And they're like, what? It's a guy on a stool. <laughs> you know. And this, I'm like, this I'm guy. Yeah. You, he's singing from the heart, and that's what I grew up listening to my uh-huh. dad playing guitar and stuff and and it was always songs from the heart 
and well, you know, stories. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I gravitated to it. And I saw what Garth was doing and I'm like, wow, because everybody knows about Garth, Oklahoma. He was a rocker. Yeah. He loved his Iron Maiden. He loved his ACDC oh, his yeah. and stuff, right? So, and it shows in his, like in, in what he does because he has best of both worlds. And I think that's why people gravitate and because it, it's coming from the heart. And except and for the debacle of the the debacle of Chris Gaines. Chris, Chris Gaines. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story since we're talking about it. That's funny you say that because I yeah. was going to bring it up. I thought, okay, now you brought it up. My dad was living in Christopher Lake. And so do you remember when he came up to Canada? Do you uh, remember that? Yeah, I do actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he came up, Dan and trailer, the whole yep. nine yards. Yeah. But the problem was that someone, and I shouldn't say a problem. I'm sure he probably saw this coming, but it hit the news. Really right. fast. I think he was maybe two shows in. Right. And then everybody's like, so now it made it even harder for him to have this kind of side thing going on. But uh, he was in that area coming through. And my dad was like, I just heard Garth Brooks is coming around in a van and trailer. And I'm like, Dad, I don't think that's <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. And then he found out later, he said, this guy named Chris Gaines. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's so I remember hilarious. That. This way he says, "Oh, Garth Brooks is in a van and trailer." I'm like, "Yeah, no, Dad, I think you're thinking somebody else." <laughs> Garth, Garth with a really nice van and trailer. Yeah, really, nice <laughs> really van nice van and trailer. Who's the sh- yes. who? Are the shows that you go and watch? Um, let's see. Uh, okay, um, I'm, I'm for me, I I love just watching anybody entertain. I, I mean, we were very fortunate to open for Dirk Bentley, so I got to see that show, mm-hmm. and that was absolutely amazing. I he kind of reminded me of Garth Brooks actually on that topic. Okay smiling you know yeah. anybody that's out there smiling having a good time and just thanking everybody and just you know to me that really i gravitate to that mm-hmm. um i'm very impressed by that i think th- and then like i said i listen to all kinds of music so mm-hmm. um you know i was at uh, the commodore and uh you know everybody knows about theory of a dead man mm-hmm. right and how they their career has just has done so well and i used to rehearse with those guys and so you see Theory of a Dead Man, and you see these guys still going. They're still loving it and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, wow. It just gives you kind of that that fire. And you go home, and you write another song, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. When did you start writing? Well, I started writing at a later age, actually. Um, what happened was my guitarist, he basically, here's, here's a really interesting story. I bought a 69 Mustang because my dad, he's always, he always, like, he loves his fast cars and all that. So he's a mechanic as well. Dad okay. was, he, he had many talents. <laughs> wow, from grocery store guy to a mechanic. Oh yeah, he played guitar. He played <laughs> yeah. He oh yeah, broke horses. The crazy wow. the wilder the horses. He he loved the challenge, right? Yeah. He was a he was a tough cowboy. I give him that. That's okay. for sure. And all my family was anyway. So what happened was I bought this car. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I got a '69 Mustang. Got a great deal on it. It was a coupe. And he's like, Oh my god, oh this is amazing. You know, I can't wait to get up there and we're gonna work on it. Whatever. So fast forward um, a couple weeks later, my guitarist from Edmonton. He's like, You know, I want to come up there. And I was living in BC at this time. And I said, yeah, no problem, because but I don't have gear, I don't have anything. I said, hey, don't worry about it, just come up here, crash on the couch, don't worry about groceries, I'll take care of it. I was I had a pretty good job. And so what happened was he got there, and we were itching to, to rehearse and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't really have anything really that good that he was happy playing through, right? Yeah. And so I, this car sitting in the driveway, and of course I'm excited because the band's getting together, and we got show coming up. And I look at this car, and I'm just like, do I really need this car? Like, I know it sounds really strange, but I'm like, if I sold this car right now, I'm probably not going to make very much because it needed some work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But man, I could sure buy a nice PA system for the band. And I could <laughs> buy it. So that's what I did. Wow. I sold the car to my roommate 
that car disappeared in two days. My buddy was a mechanic and, uh, and a painter and stuff. Yeah. So, so my buddy, Dan, I can say this now because he always gets mad when I say call this, uh, talk about the story, but he ended up getting a record deal with another band. Really? What was the now, band? Uh, do you remember? Okay. Do you, oh man. Do you remember Chelsea morning? No, I don't. Okay. Chelsea morning from the West coast. They were with Asmus records. Okay. They, they were really good friends and they said, Oh Dan, you're in town. Come over and jam. But their guitars couldn't go on tour. So Dan calls me up and he's like, man, I know you bought me all these guitars and you bought the PA and everything, but man, I got an opportunity. And here's how I felt. This was an opportunity. See, I'm, I'm about at the door closes, a bigger uh, one's about to open. Well, that's true, yeah. Mm -hmm. My mom just raised us that way. Yeah. And I said to Dan, I said, you know what, Dan? I said, I'm really happy for you. He goes, you're not mad at me? And I'm like, no. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going to bring the guitars back. And you and I'm like, no, you keep those guitars, dude. You deserve them. Right. You got, you know, you need good gear. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so what are you going to do about a guitarist? And I'm like, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. And he's like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to learn how to play guitar. So I had one acoustic guitar yeah. that was left because he had taken everything to the studio. Uh -huh. And I sat there and my, I lived with my sisters at the time. I swear they were just like, but they're musicians so they could understand. Okay. But it was the same. I think it was a chord that I was playing over and over and over again. And my fingers were hurting, like yeah. really hurting. So by the second day, no word of a lie, I wrote a song. Now it wasn't the greatest song, but I was singing. So I called my buddy Dan and said, Hey, how are this, how's the studio stuff going? He's like, great, great. He's like, yeah. He goes, how's it coming along? I said, good. I, I, wanna, I can't wait to see you, dude. I want to show you a song I wrote. He said, cool. He goes, you write down some lyrics? And, and I said, no, no. I'm singing and playing guitar. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? Are you kidding me? So he came and I showed him the song. He's like, Rod, he goes, you, you know how hard it is to sing and play guitar and stuff like that? And, he, and I'll keep in mind, it was maybe two chords right. at the time, right? right. <clears throat> and then, but the cool thing about that was I was making my own little you know, versions of a chord or whatever, because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. But no word of a lie again, a month and a half later, I'm out doing shows around the Vancouver scene, playing guitar and singing, and I put a band together. Wow. Now, keep in mind, I'm still not the greatest guitar player. I just, <laughs> I, I'm more of a songwriter. Right, okay. I got, I got great, you know, musicians that I'm very honored to be uh, on stage with. So mm. they make the songs go to the next level. Um, you know, I'm a sitting around the campfire kind of guy with the guitar. Excellent. Well, talking about the guitar and songs, you have a brand new single out, and it is called? Walk On. Let's talk a little bit about Walk On. Where are we walking to? Okay, well, this one is a bit of a journey. So what happened was I was working on this song. I was living in White Rock, and um, I was just working on this song. And I was – something about it was giving me chills, but I was just like, you know, and I was getting frustrated because I was just not going anywhere with it, but I kept on playing the same verse and the same chorus over and over again. And something was just not sitting right or whatever, so I just left it. Two days later, I get a call from a friend saying, hey, we got you know a friend of ours is battling um, leukemia in Texas, mm -hmm. and we want to do this charity event. And I'm like, wow, okay. So I read more into the story and, and met with the family and everything, and all of a sudden, I kind of got it. I, I don't want to say inspired, because that's kind of sad to say that, because unfortunately, he passed. But it, it, it basically gave me a different light and a direction in the song. Mm -hmm. So then I went back to the song, and I started working on it, and getting a little bit more headway, um, played kind of a version of it at the at the charity event. My buddy Jeff Johnson was there, and Jeff Johnson and I, if it, you know anybody who looks in my bio, knows that Jeff Johnson and I have major history back from the Island Record days. Right. And we'll get to that, I'm sure, in this conversation. Yeah. So um, what happened was we basically said, hey, you know, Jeff saw the song, and he says, man, I, there's something about that song. 
And of course, I'm crying on stage. I mean, it was a, it was a very emotional night. Mm-hmm. So we didn't. Jeff said, oh, "I'm going to talk to you later." You know what I mean? And we're gonna we're gonna go back to this song. So one day we were in the studio. He goes, "Play me that song again, man." And I was playing for him, and he's like, "Okay, well, what if we did this?" And we we did this, and that's what happens when Jeff and I get together. And all of a sudden, he's like, "We need to cut this song." And so we went into the warehouse, we cut it, and uh, the label was like, "We got to put this thing out." And that's how how it happened. It's amazing when something like that can happen for you. Well, yeah, it was it was you know to me. Um, it's weird how the, I, I don't, the word inspiration is a hard one to say, but in a sense, it kind of is for, you know, uh, the part of the journey mm-hmm. of it. But there was a reason why I stopped. I, I remember because usually when I'm writing a song, I get, I'm very persistent. I'm a Capricorn. So I'm very driven and I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I got to finish the song or at least get it like to 90% before I bring it to a songwriting circle or whatever. Right. Yeah. Get, do the best I possibly can. But I kept on hitting a wall with it and I was just, something's not right. And then, of course, when everything happened with Brandon, then I was like, uh, you know, it was emotional when I was playing on stage and everything. And, of course, when I got together with Jeff, mm-hmm. just like I, you do, there's a magic when Jeff and I get together and write. And, you know, because Keep It On, Jeff and I wrote that together as well, right? So yeah. there's a whole uh, journey going on. And there's a bit of a message that I think that people will be able to gravitate and, you know, maybe be inspired by. Let's talk a you little know. bit about your Island Record days. What was uh? What's up with those? Oh, that was an interesting journey. Okay, so again, I go back to Jeff. I'm playing. I, I used to work in the stock market. I used to work at uh, work for Bell Resources. I used to do investor relations. Wow, kind of like my dad. Uh, a bunch of things going on in my life. Okay, but the passion is always music, and um, just it's just always uh, I was always the driving force, I guess, you know, in my family and everything. But so what was happening was I was basically working this job and they wanted me to be a broker. Okay. And I'm like, man, I don't want it. I don't want to be a broker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I want the money. Money was really good. I won't kid you. I got options and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I could fund recordings. I could go to the greenhouse. I could, you know, the band was like, we don't have rehearsal money. I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. I got it covered. Good. As long as you show <laughs> so up on time. You're that guy. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm that guy. But then life came and I had to take a turn. Yep. I was living with my sister. We were in English Bay. She's a singer-songwriter in her own right. Okay. What does she do? Uh, singer-songwriter, Sadie Black. Okay, cool. Singer-songwriter, very talented. I'm in the studio with her. She's working on some tracks right now. and okay. uh, Very, very talented. But um, my family, I could brag about them forever. So <laughs> I got a sister. Another sister is an actress. So we got, there's a bunch wow. of things going on there. Wow, okay. But we all inspire each other. And our family's always, my mom and my dad, my dad's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. He's always with us. But they always were encouraging. My right. dad wanted me to be in the rodeo. Yeah. As long as I could ride a horse decent, he was happy. But the family family was like, why isn't your son like barrel racing? You know what I mean? He's <laughs> like, well, he wants to pursue music. Right. But anyway, so back to it. So what happened was I was sitting in the room and I was working on a song called Fly. And it was because in English Bay, I didn't need a car. I could go to the office. Mm-hmm. I could walk. Oh, yeah. Right. But where I walked down Burrard to the office on, on Hastings and um, Hastings and Burrard, uh, by the where you now is the convention center. Mm-hmm. I used to watch floater planes come in. It was like something out of Wall Street where my office was crazy. Oh, yeah. But anyway, it was really surreal because my friends were like, You don't belong here, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was a suit and tie guy, yeah. you know, doing uh, setting up multi million dollar deals and something, you know what I mean? But all I wanted to do is get home and play music. But anyway, so what happened was I showed her this song. She goes, Wow. She goes, I really like that song. She goes, Well, what, how did you? come up with that idea. I said, well, Sadie, I said, I've been walking down abroad and past homeless people. 
having conversations with them early in the morning because you have to be at the office because the market opens at 6.30, right? Right. So I, I you know, and you go there about an hour, hour and a half early to set up. So I'd see these people and I'd have conversations and they'd all had this thing in common. Um, and it was really interesting. And they all kind of said kind of the thing about if I could be anywhere right now, this is where I'd like to be. But I feel like I'm helpless. I feel like I'm, and I'd always say, hey, listen, you know, here's a sandwich, here's a whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do that kind of thing. So that's the way I was brought up. But not just here's some food and walk away. I'd say, you know, try to leave them with something inspirational. And mm-hmm. you kind of become friends with them as you're going back and forth to work, right, every mm-hmm. morning. Mm-hmm. And they'd always say, you know, man, I just wish I had a chance, you know, won the lottery or what, you know. And I said, you know what? It really boils down to the individual. And that's all I'd say. I said, I don't know about your your story, and I, you know, and if you want to tell me, hey, I'm here to listen all day long. But the bottom line is, as an individual, we all have that ability, that strength within within us mm-hmm. to make changes. Mm-hmm. So, so now keep in mind, I'm telling this story, writing this song, Fly. I'm at the office one day, and I'm sitting there, and they're coming in, and the the CEO, and he's like, okay, we want to pay for you to be a broker, and we want to like this. And I'm like looking at them, looking out the window, floater planes are coming down, and I'm sitting there going, this isn't me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling these homeless people, friends of mine that I'm meeting along this, along the way to my office, you know, you can make a change, just believe in yourself and all the kind of things. And I'm thinking, I'm going to make a change. Mm-hmm. So I went home that day, went back to work on that song, and I basically made a decision. I went down to Checkers where I was work. Uh, I'd always go for lunch or whatever if I was in the area, and they said we're doing a whole uh, open mic thing. We're looking for a host. And I'm like, well, I'm not the greatest guitar player, but I want the job. And they're like, well, don't you work in investor relations? And I said, yeah. yep, I do. And I said, I'm about to quit that job. And they're like, what? And so the bartender's <laughs> like, well, we can give you $50 and a free meal. That's all we can do because we're just starting this thing. Yeah. And so I'm like, I've got two original songs. I don't know really any covers. Um, I could probably learn them. And they're like, no, no, no. You know, what we can do is just you play two songs. And if you have to play the two, same two at the end of the night, do it. But we just want to get people in here or whatever. So that's what happened. And Jeff was with 604 Records at the time. Yeah. Chad was on the road. Jeff called me and goes, what are you up to, man? And I said, well, I'm working at Checkers. He's like, sorry, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing an open mic. I wrote this song called Fly and In This Life. I think you'd really like it. And he's like, wait a minute, aren't you doing stock stuff? And I'm like, no, I quit. <laughs> wow. Talk about, talk about like, a leap of faith. Yeah, well, you know what? It, it has a lot to do with my family. Um, they, my mom, like I said, I cannot brag about my family enough, the support that we get, um, in our family and we keep on getting it. But what happens is at that moment in life, you make that decision. Now what happens, Jeff goes, that's really strange. You say that because Chad's on the road and we're not getting back to my album for a couple months. So when are you doing this? I said, well, I do it. I think it was every Wednesday night. And then if I did good, if I did good, if I did well, I would be there again on Sunday. I'd be doing it. I'd make a hundred bucks that week. Right on. So, so I called Jeff up. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna. Are you gonna be down for Wednesday?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." And there was nobody there. And I remember Jeff sitting in the corner, right? And this guy saying, "Play Metallica and play Slayer." And I'm like, "Jesus, am I in a movie?" Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, "Guys, I'm sorry. These are the only two songs I have." You know what I mean? And, and there wasn't anybody there, so there wasn't anybody else to play. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, usually yeah. have people. Come yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a slow night, and Jeff said. And the bartender says, ah, just, there's nobody here, Rod. Just, you play the two songs, go hang with your buddy. So I sat with Jeff and he goes, hey, there's something in those two songs. Mm-hmm. He goes, what if we got together and, and finished them? He goes, I got some ideas. And I'm like, okay. So fast forward, we've got a friend who's working with Nickelback on the road doing Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. He finds out Jeff and I are working together. We've known each other for a long time and stuff. 
So Jeff calls Gordini and says, hey, Rod's got some, some songs here, man. And he goes, uh, I think we should uh, work on them. And so Gordini goes, well, I'll tell you what, I'm coming off the road for a couple days and uh, I'll come and I'll set up the drums because Gordini could get amazing drum sounds. Okay. Every, every, and he's a very talented producer in his own right. So he's in there and he's setting up the drums and he's all excited. And Jeff and I had been writing now for quite a bit, right? We, so we finished these two songs and we wrote a bunch of other ones and we're sitting in the studio and we're just kind of warming up and whatever. And we had the door open and we were at Fluvog and I'll never forget this. And he's, sitting, he's hitting the drums and stuff like that and then he kind of stops hitting it. He's got, kind of playing the drums a little softer, softer, and then he stops and then he's listening. We know he's listening, but we're still kind of working on songs. He comes through the door and he's like, okay, what's that? And we said, well, it's a new song we're working on and all that kind of stuff. And it was called Dim Light Street. Mm-hmm. And it had this falsetto crazy vocal thing. He's like, wow, I've never heard Rod sing like that before. And Jeff's like, yeah, it's just something we're working on. And then all of a sudden he's like, uh, guys, we're calling this session. And Jeff goes, well, yeah, it's easy to say, but you know, we're paying for it. You know what I mean? They're calling the session. He's like, nope, we're going out. I'm buying you guys dinner. I want to talk. And that's exactly how it sat down. He says, listen, I don't want to do drum sounds. I want to produce these songs. And wow. I said, well, no, Jeff and you can produce together. Like, how about that? And he's like, even better. So we did In This Life and Fly. And then uh, then Gordini, we, we did this in, I think, three days. Uh, yeah. Gordini was supposed to stay with his family, but he was in the studio with us the whole time. And we just hit it hard. And I'll never forget the songs were done. Uh, you know, we went to the warehouse um, after Gordini left. We got the mix and all that kind of stuff. So Gordini yeah. went back on the road with Nickelback. Yeah. And we get a call. Jeff and I are in the studio working on a song called Queen of My Dreams. And um, kind of a Steven Tyler kind of uh, kind of like a Aerosmithy country type song. Yeah. And now the reason why I say country is because Flying in the Life were originally country songs. Uh-huh. So if you look at my bio and you see the original Jet Black Stare picked, I am wearing a white cowboy hat. Oh. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It was a country rock band that yeah. we. So our like Flying in the Life are very borderline country. Songs. Well, Fly is definitely a country song. Yeah. But anyway, so what happened was. Gordy calls us and he goes, stop you guys recording. And so Jeff goes, come here, come here. He goes, Gordy wants to talk to us. He goes, we are listening to In This Life on the bus right now. Chad's loving this song. And I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. you know." <laughs> and he's like, no, he wants you to come to his uh, annual, um, everybody knows Chad. They know how giving the guy is. He's absolutely an amazing individual. Right. So he does, uh, he does a charity uh, baseball tournament every year. Uh-huh. He goes, you're invited to go. And of course, there's a story that leads up to this too. That's funny. I have these weird ups and down roller coasters in my life. But anyway, so I'm like, okay, sounds good. So now we're amped and we write a bunch of songs that day and we're stoked and we're like, oh, this is going to be cool. But Jeff was taking off out of town with his girlfriend at the time. So he couldn't be there. So Gordy says, hey, you know, I'll come pick you up and whatever. So I'm at home getting ready. I'm all pumped. Call my mom, say, yeah, "Yeah, Chad's invited me over there. This is cool. Now, the way I was brought up, it doesn't matter how much money someone has. I've worked with multimillionaires. I don't care. If you just, it could be a person off the street. If you treat people good, yeah, you look them in the eye, shake their hand, and, and you know, and and try not to get something from somebody, but mm-hmm. you know, because there's those people out there you just know you're like, ah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, totally. I grew, I grew up with a, I grew up with a, you know, a knowledgeable dad. We'll just say, right. Uh, so anyway, um, so what happened was, um, I was all excited. Tell my mom this story, and she's like, oh my god, that's amazing. And I said, oh yeah, I'll tell you how it goes. So I'm like, I gotta get a shower in. Gordini's coming. I'm running late here. So I get in the shower, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's so funny. So I get out of the shower. I'm all excited. And I take the towel and I start just kind of wiping the back of my neck. <laughs> I pinch a, not a nerve or something in my neck. Oh no! So I can't even turn my head sideways. Oh no! 
So I don't call, I don't do anything. I'm just like, oh my God. So I go down the elevator and I go to, to get into Gordini's car. Yeah. And of course, he's like talking to me and he's like, dude, what is with your neck? Like, because you can see that I can't turn. And I'm like, dude, I pinched, I pinched it. Something in my neck or something. He's like, well, dude, you better figure that out now, man. We're going to like, <laughs> Chad's going to introduce you to a lot of people. <laughs> so, oh, man. So, dude, this is my life. This is my life. It's so funny. Anyway, so. <laughs> everybody's out there going geez you can't make up this stuff no <laughs> you yeah. know it's the journey right but it's, it's the inspirational journey so what happens is <laughs> i get to this this or this uh this um charity ball event and everybody's there my future uh chief was my manager sitting right by me i would find out uh, a week later that i would he'd end up managing me but that's weird how life is yeah. but anyway so we're sitting there and, um, and they're kind of people are looking at me like, you know, why am I not getting on the field to play ball? Number one, like, who is this guy? And I'm by kind of by myself, right? right? Yeah, because Gordini's out there playing. I'm sitting there, and I can't turn my neck. I'm trying to clap, and I'm trying to like, it was just like, I'm like, oh, but I can't leave, <laughs> right? You know, I'm well, like, I can't leave. This it's is one like, of those opportunities you don't want to pass up. So now, what happens is game's over, everybody's shaking hands and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, great game, guys, and a great cause, and all that stuff. And they're kind of looking at me going, okay, whatever, you know, because <laughs> I'm looking like it was weird. I was yeah. just acting strange because I was in pain. Yeah. So now we get to Chad's house and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's a bunch of grocery, uh, not groceries, like catering coming in, all that kind of stuff. So the person that I am, I'm helping the guy in the truck. So I'm like loading stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm loading stuff. And I see Chad and I'm like, Hey man, Hey, hey thanks for having me here. And Chad just kind of nods his head and kind of looks and goes, yeah, no problem. And then kind of walks away. I'm like, okay, cool. He's busy. I don't want to bother him. Right? Yeah. So anyway, now what happens is I'm sitting there, there's music going on and everybody's having a good time. Chad's behind the bar and everybody's having a good time. And, and Gordy comes up to you and goes, so have you talked to Chad yet? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I said, thank you for having me at your home. And he's like, are you sure? He goes, because he's asking where you are. And I'm like, what? And cause now keep in mind. He's thinking you're the catering guy. Well, yeah, cause I came, I'm, I'm helping with boxes. Right. <laughs> So Gordy, he goes, something is not right here, dude. This is weird. And he goes, hold on for a second. So he goes to Chad and he starts talking to him and then he motions me to kind of start walking. And so I'm in the back of Chad, we're in behind the bar and I'm, and Chad's tall, right? So the two of them are talking, I'm behind Chad and I hear Chad go, he's here. And he's like, yeah, dude, he's right behind you. <laughs> and Chad turns around. He's like, what dude he goes rod black he goes i thought you were and i'm like dude i'm just the way i am he's like well thank you for helping me with the boxes but dude <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and then, and then 10 minutes later he's like let me let's go up to uni and uh joy moy let's go up to the studio and talk so we went up and we were chatting yeah. i really love that song and and all that kind of stuff i'm like oh thanks man thank you for having me once again so we had a great night um but what happened was i couldn't it was hard right like i yeah. I, I wasn't really in that kind of social mood because i was in pain so anyway i went home <laughs> called Jeff I said Jeff you won't believe what happened he's like oh geez only you this would happen to you. and I'm like yeah and I said okay well let's just see what the songs songs do because yeah. we'd heard the songs were going to be shopped to an agent down in LA Chad's contact mm -hmm. to see if I could get a record deal now what happens is we don't hear anything for three months mm -hmm. so Jeff calls me up he's like well you know you tried dude you tried I said yeah. hey you know what man that's cool I said well, if anything it gave me confidence to just keep on writing keep on plugging away and Jeff's like exactly bro I'm going out of town and um, at the time, I do believe it was his fiance. now. He goes, I'm going out of town. You won't be able to reach me. I'm going up to Kelowna. And I said, no problem, no problem. I said, I'm going to just uh, work on some songs. He's like, no problem. So he, so about an hour goes by, Gordini calls me frantic. 
And he goes, you won't believe this, dude. There's a bidding war for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, dude, Andrew Brightman was in L.A. Or sorry, in, in New, went to New York, left the demo at Island Records. L.A. Reid heard it. And he's sending somebody in a week to come and see you, Jeff, perform. Because Jeff at the time was in Jet Black Stare with me. Wow. <laughs> dude, you got an amazing story. Oh, well, wait till we talk about the flat line. That's, that's a whole... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I died when I was 19, so there's a whole journey there too. But what happened was I basically sitting there and I'm talk, talking, uh, talking to Gordon. He's like, you got to get a hold of Jeff. I'm calling him and he's going to his answer machine. I'm like, yeah, dude, he's on his way to Kelowna. And we can't bother him. He's like, bother him? Dude, you tell him, if you get a hold of him, you tell him to turn around. This is our, this is a big moment for us. Yeah. So, I, so here's, again, the universe is very strange at times. So Jeff pulls into a gas station, and it was a certain area. And I remember, because I've gone to Kelowna many times, there's yeah. a certain little pocket where mm -hmm. you can get reception. And mm -hmm. then you go around that corner after you leave the gas station, and you're in the hills, right? Yeah, so totally. Yep. Mm -hmm. Jeff had, he, he, and I remember him saying something about, at the time, I think it was, because he was Kate. Yeah. So he said something about Kate wanted to go to the store. And he said, you know what? I, I don't really need gas, but I might as well, you know, get whatever. And so he gets there. And he looks down, he sees his phone, that he missed all these messages. He's like, what is going on? So he calls me, he goes, dude, I'm on vacation, bro. Are you okay? And I'm like, you won't believe this. I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> he's like, whoa, whoa, calm down. I'm like, dude, I said, I can't even, Gordini's freaking out. He goes, he goes, yeah, he's called me 10 times. I can see us, he's missed calls. I'm like, and I said, uh, Jeff, I hate to do this to you, but you have to stop your vacation. We need to practice. This is how cool his wife still now to this day, obviously. Wow. She's like, he tells her the story. She's like, "We are turning around." Oh. They canceled their trip to up to, up uh, to the Okanagan, wherever they're going. Yeah. Got. I think I, he came to my place right away. We started working on songs, and a week later, uh, we had uh, it was Andrew Andrew Speck at the time flew in, and uh, he sat down with us uh, with Chief and everybody, and uh, yeah, there was a bunch of stuff that happened. He was so sure. That, I, I can say this stuff now, but he was so sure that we're I was going to sign with Island. Now with me, I was taught basically if someone shows interest, yep. you, you give them your, your time. Yep. You don't just go and say, hey, what else can I get from that other person? That's not the way I was brought up. Right. So the number was very big. We'll just put it that way. Um, and I was like, okay, this is crazy. So everybody at the table is like, this is for a first signing. You know what I mean? And of course, we all know what happened in into 2008, 2009. The economy started going down. And that Correct. Kind of, yep. So record deals at that kind of number weren't even a, a possibility. But for some reason, they really wanted me, and I was like, or wanted Jeff Blackstar, which was kind of, kind of was Jeff, but Jeff couldn't join the band because he, you know, he wanted to be more producing and stuff like that. So yeah. then we had to put everybody together. And then after Dan and Flip and everybody came on, then I said, guys, this is what we got going on, and um, you know. So anyway, that there's a whole story there too. Wow, <laughs> which kind of shocked those guys too because I didn't really want to tell them anything because I didn't want to be the boy that cried wolf. Right. I wanted to make sure I could call Dan and Flip and the boys and say, okay, guys, I got something serious here. You know what I mean? Because they were, you know, they're busy too, right? They got lives and stuff, right? So anyway, long story short, I try to keep it short, is that, uh, so Andrew was like sitting, and he goes, yeah, he goes, L.A. Reid, and he's telling me, as we, we go out that night, we're at the Roxy, and he goes, oh, I know she don't really drink much, and I'm like, nah, dude, I'm not really a big drinker, you know, and he's like, okay, and he goes, cool, you remind me of Jay-Z, and he starts going out, I'm like, Jay-Z, I'm like, all right, and he goes, yeah, he walks around, and he's not a big drinker, but he's a big social, he goes, you're going to hang out with Jay-Z when you get to New York, and all. I'm just like, what is going on here? <laughs> So wow. I tell this, tell this to, to the camp and they're like, uh, yeah, but dude, don't commit to something because you got Warner and, uh, and, uh, who else Atlantic wanting to fly in and come see you. 
I'm like, okay, whoa, wait a minute, guys. I said, you know, let's just let's hold up here. We gotta be careful. <laughs> see yeah, you still gotta play the game, even though you want to sign with Island. Yeah, you keep it low key, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So then what happened was I was talking to my dad, and uh, and I was telling, him, and again, this is kind of I knew something was up with my dad. This is when uh, kind of the sad story comes. But what happened was I was telling him all this exciting stuff happening, and he was kind of kind of a little distant on the phone, happy for me, but he didn't want to kind of break the the party, so to speak. So anyway, I was like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon, Dad, and whatever. And I was like, okay, Jeff, what are we going to do here? And he's like, I don't know. And he goes, but I just hear now that um, they know that the other labels are coming here, but they don't care. You, we've got plane tickets to go to New York City to sing for L.A. Reid. Wow. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, no, man. Okay, now you're going to like this story. So we <laughs> get to the airport. Gordini's with Nickelback, so of course he has his P2 or probably O1 visa, right? Well, Jeff and I don't have our visas. But we're not going there to make any money. We're just going to perform and then fly home. Yeah. Well, there was a lady there. Apparently, she was giving a lot of problems to a lot of musicians. So what happened was, you know, you know, you find that thing where you, you she's, I don't believe you guys. You're going to make. I said, no, 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 no. I said, here's the letter from Island Records. We're not making any money. Yeah. We're just going down to perform. She didn't believe it, so she said, "No, go down that line and go talk." I'm like, okay. So you feel like you're a kid in detention, right? Oh so yeah. I'm kind of getting yeah. There. The guy, the sheriff guy, when him comes out, he's like, I am so sorry, gentlemen. He goes, I heard that you got this. Let me see the letter. And he goes, yeah, we've had problems with her and stuff like that. And so, of course, he goes, but I have to do all the paperwork. We have to do that. He goes, problem is, guys, you're going to miss your flight. So now we're panicking. Right. Because now if it shows I can't go into Canada, the deal's done. Yeah. Like, there's not going to be any more offers. <clears throat> so what happens is he says, I'll tell you what, guys. We've got a plane for you guys to go to Toronto. The problem is you're only going to get a couple hours. We'll pay, they'll pay, and they did. It was crazy. They paid, they said, You've got a, a plane, everything's going to take care of right to, and then from there, New York City early in the morning. I'm like, All right, sounds good. So we get to the hotel, and I have this again, it maybe has something to do with the flatline days. I don't know. I still kind of deal with that every day, but an energy in me that I've never felt before right. ever since that moment. So I'm like, Everything's going to be fine. And Gordini's like, How are you so calm right now? He goes, And he goes, What, what if we miss the flight? What if we, because we have to perform. Right. And I'm like, because we wouldn't have a one day to practice and whatever. Right now we have to literally go get there and go straight to the to his office and sing for him. So anyway, uh, and, and, and I'm thankful this is a podcast because no radio would let us do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that we, we, you're such a great, uh, you know, honestly, Rod, you're such a great storyteller. I'm just I'm just sitting oh. here. I'm just sitting here listening, going, this is amazing. You took a huge leap of faith from from the finance world and into the music world it's amazing what's happened well when your heart knows just like yourself okay let's let's break what i'm talking about let's go to you real quick because this is a, it's always a give and take right both important for yourself you're in the world you know everything's you know you're used to that world and now you're like i'm gonna go and do podcasts Oh yeah, it's uh, you know, this is uh, this is a big leap of faith as well, and I I uh, I will admit to anybody that this is uh, you know, the uh, a chapter that uh, we're exploring, and and fingers and toes crossed that everything works out, and you know, but uh, I you know, you said earlier the fact that you believe when uh, when a door closes, another door opens, and that's yeah, I totally yeah. believe that as well. And that's not a financial thing. A lot of people say, oh yeah, you're talking about you're gonna win the lottery. I'm like, no no no, it has nothing to do with that. It has like even like a relationship, yeah. right? You know, people are like, oh, you know, I grew up with all girls, right? So my sisters went through some rough goes. Now they got great guys in their life, and I'm so happy, right? Mm -hmm. I have to be the protective brother, is you know, so much. <laughs> so, but basically, you know, I always tell my sisters, say, hey, you know what? He wasn't right for you. 
you know, but I love them, Rod. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? There's other, you're going to meet somebody. You're going to, and that was the kind of thing. And so I kind of take all the, you know, the lessons that I'm trying to teach my sisters. Yeah. I take that in for myself. But, um, so no, you're, you're right. Cause you went with your heart to make that decision. Uh, yeah. And you're going to do well, my friend. You're well, going to do well, my friend. Finger, you're, fingers you're, and toes crossed. <laughs> Thank you for the uh, positivity. But it is, it, and, and you know, we all make choices in life. Uh, yes, we do. And uh, and sometimes the choices aren't there uh, right when you expect them, but when the choices happen, uh, you take that leap of faith and, and you hope that, uh, you know, six, nine, 12 months down the road, everything is where you expect it to be. You know, one door closing, another big door opening, and now you just got to be able to fill that room with uh, with everything that you want to do when you walk through that doorway. Well, let's go black and black and we'll do our own podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to know where, where to find you, what is your website? Oh, it's rodblackcountry.com. Pretty simple. Yeah. And uh, so, how about social media? So uh, it's all Rod Black music. So Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, it's all you know, just Rod Black music. Dude, we could have you back for a part two uh, oh. and, and continue with your storytelling. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's been pretty crazy, you know, but the way I look at it is we all have a story. Yeah, we all but you know what, we all have a choice that we have to make, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, um, and we have to live with those choices. You've got a great story and, and all the best in the success to you. Well, I appreciate it. All I got to say is, you know, you're right from the heart. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be good to one another and, you know, right from the heart for those artists out there. Rod, thanks for hanging out on Inside Today's Country. Tim, and I uh, meant a lot. And thank you, my friend. And we'll be talking soon. Thanks for listening to Inside Today's Country with Tim Black. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This has been a TimBlackOnAir.com production.